In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 210th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons uh, were defeated 38-25 by the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday at an empty Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was quite an eerie beginning to the season for a couple of reasons. Uh, just not seeing fans in the place didn't seem right. And the fact that they, you know, they tried to come out and be bold, uh, but were not successful. We're going to title this episode, Falcons Miss Fire in the Opener. Well, you know, we got great coverage in the paper this morning. I'm just going to bounce around the covers. We started on the front page with uh, Steve Hummer. We had... Uh, Five people, I think, covering the game. Steve was there, and uh, myself, Jason Butt, and then Mike Cunningham and Mark Bradley also weighed in on, with columns. Seen at Falcons opener, sadly, unlike any other. Yes, it was. We had the anthem protest and so forth, uh, which was a good look. Uh, and, uh, you know, then we got to football. What played out in the vacuum of the game without fans rings hollow. Football team. Rough start was the big headline on the sports cover. Falcons try to be bold, but miss fire. Great headline on my story. And uh, that's what happened. They were trying to be bold, but they were coming up short, being bold. Going forward on fourth down, 0-4. Fake punt, fumble, cost them the game. Being bold wasn't the way to go, I guess. It didn't work out for them. Uh, Once again, not enough. Difference making plays from Mark Bradley and from Michael Cunningham. This wasn't a new team, new story. Last year's problems on defense appear to be seep into this season, at least in the opener. Then we had a couple sidebars from myself and Jason Butt. I did one before the game on the Falcons uh, standing up. For lift every voice and sing, they uh, referred to as the Black National Anthem. We grew up singing that at Avon Baptist Church in Cleveland, so it wasn't foreign to the Ledbetter family. Uh, you can look it up and do your history. Lift every voice and sing by James Weldon Johnson. So it was a poem turned into a song by his brother. Been around over a hundred years. Fourth down plays changed the plot. We go into those key fourth downs, the fourth and five, where Isaiah Oliver gets beat on a bomb. And a fourth and two, I think they're going for it. They pick it up on the fake punt, but Neeson fumbles the ball. Uh, and then after the big, uh, looked like Todd Gurley was going to be off to a big one. Got off to a great start, had 51 yards at the half, finished with 56. Uh Team had to abandon the run after going down 28 to 12. 
Uh, after strong first half, offense has to turn away from Gurley. All right, that was in the paper this morning. So go out and get that. Everything's online. Got videos of uh, Ryan, Gurley, Julio, and Coach Dan. And uh, we're going to hear to listen to some of Grady Jarrett here today. Him and uh, Ricardo Allen also spoke after the game. <sighs> but let's go through a couple points here. Uh, bold, 0-4, fake punt. We talked about that. want to bring up the stat that Michael Cunningham digged up for me uh, from the next-gen stats. It's pretty depressing. Secondary, 0 of 35. Russell Wilson's pass attempts were thrown into a tight window. I mean, they weren't in coverage on any other pass attempts. And tight window is less than a yard of separation. So they weren't nowhere near the receivers all day long. No reason why he went 31 to 35. He just cut him up. He carved him up. It's no nice way to put it. Don't blame Isaiah Oliver for all 31 of them. But he he certainly can't lose on fourth and five, and he got beat off the line of scrimmage, and bam, touchdown. But he wasn't the only one because on every pass play, the receivers were open. I thought A.J. Terrell did, did good for a rookie. Uh, in his first game in the NFL, but, you know, he's a part of the secondary, too, and his guys caught a couple balls, so they got to get tighter. The sad thing is they were talking about plastering the coverage, which means, you know, man-to-man. This was not plaster coverage. I don't know what, um, you know, it's got to be the fact that, you know, you don't practice full speed, you get into a game, and and these receivers are fast, and you you can't, you're not fast enough, uh, Getting used to game speed, I think, is part of the issue. But I want to find out what they, what what, what they attribute this to, and we'll ask Coach Quinn about it. Uh, was it just a game speed issue? They better pick it up because you can't. Uh, anybody in the NFL is gonna be able to throw into open windows. Even the great Dak Prescott, who they got coming up next. Even the great Mitch Trubisky the week after that. And then, of course, you know Aaron Rodgers can. So this is gonna have to improve, or it's gonna be a very long season. They did get three sacks. Attack uh, had one on the first play of the game. Grady had one and a half, and Fowler had a shared one with Grady. He. Uh, and Tack got there a couple times. So, But let's get back to this. The 0 for 35. Uh, that's the most passes in a game without a tight window throw. Uh, the previous was 30 by Derek Carr in 2019 versus the Clippers. Uh, this is the stat next-gen first track in 2016. So it's not a real old stat. I'm sure other players had better days. But in the last few years, this was when the uh, worst secondary performances. And I guess you got to give Russell Wilson, his receivers, and uh, the great Brian Schottenheimer some credit, the offensive coordinator over there. Uh, before we hear Grady, just a couple milestones here. Uh, Matt Ryan passed John Elway on his 291st yard, moved past Elway. Uh, for ninth most ninth most passing yards in the NFL history, he's got 51 636. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, he's uh behind him now, who has 56 545. Julio Jones had nine catches for 157 yards. 
became the second fastest to uh, 800 receptions. He did it in his 127th game uh, faster than Marvin Harrison, who did it in 131 games. Okay, Todd Gurley, another um, milestone here. 74th game, he had a touchdown. He ran, you know, 14 times for 56. Todd Hall of Famer Lenny Moore for touchdowns. And also Chuck Foreman, fourth most touchdowns through a player's first 75 games. And then lastly on defense, Deion Jones with nine tackles. So let's hear from Grady Jarrett. Uh, first of all, uh, just what's your kind of general reaction feelings uh, after this one? Um, definitely disappointed we lost, but we think it's some good things to take away from this game, and uh, but definitely a lot to improve on. But uh, you know, definitely not the way we want to start the season. But you know, we got to keep going back to work so we can get going on the right track. Kind of two sides to the coin on the pass rush there. Three sacks in the first half, a lot of pressure. What changed there in the second half? Um, just uh, you know, game situations when the score get a little hobbled, you know, some opportunities to rest don't come. And um, so they kind of go more to run game, more play action pass game. And, uh, you know, they make adjustments too. So we just got to continue to rush up front. And we was able to get them off the spot a couple of times and rush a couple bad Rest a couple bad um, passes in the second half as well, so it wasn't a total fail. But we definitely, uh, you know, you got to realize, you know, you're playing in a National Football League. They're they gonna make adjustments as well, and uh, we just got to continue hunting and making our adjustments with them. You, you kind of hinted at it early in the in the middle of the week, kind of the plans for doing something during the game. How did the two teams come together to plan for the opening kickoff, and do you think that was effective with everyone taking the knee? Yeah, I think um, it was good. It was good to have both organizations come together to do something together. And I'm glad how it worked out. And I think it's going to continue to spark conversation about how we can have a better system in this country. And, um, you know, we just want to use our platform for positivity. And uh, so for the, for the two, two organizations to come together and um, people talk, you know, across, you know, across the country to each other, um, however, it make, however it went down to get us all on the same page, it was definitely um, good to see. How do you guys kind of stress the details even more than you already do heading into next week now? Uh, you just got to see where things went wrong and and adjust from it. You know, um, football is a game of constant adjustment, not a perfect game. and uh, But also, we have to be accountable to the things that um, we're supposed to be better. I know you want to get the win most of all, but how does it feel for you to start the season with one and a half sacks in the game? Wait a minute, I'll pause um, right there. You know, there we go. After quarterback and uh, be a constant threat um, as a pass rusher. And But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we, we definitely want to win. And um, getting sacks is part of that. So um, so just, just want to continue to get better and, um, you know, show that I am an uh, elite player in my position in this league week in and week out and want to continue to grow as a player. You guys have now had three straight years with season opening losses. I mean, how tough is that to, to bounce back the next week and what do you guys need to do? I mean, we, we done came back and bounced back and won the next game too. So, I mean, it's a new year, new team, and uh, a new story. So, we excited to get back to work. Russell Wilson was, you know, real effective in this one. Uh, only a handful of incompletions. What did he do so well? I mean, just being a self, you know, um, mobile guy, but also, you know, super, super accurate. 
Um, got great command of the offense and the team. So um, he's a premier player in this league for a reason. It's that we could hear from our vantage point the cheering on big plays from both sidelines. What was it like for you actually playing a real game in an empty stadium? You know, it's definitely different. It's definitely different, but it's the circumstances that we're living in now, so you just got to take it and go with it. And um, so that's all. It's definitely different, but um, there's no excuse. We, we saw a picture pregame of you kind of waving afar from your family. What, what was that like to not be able to kind of be up close? Um, you know, for my family to show up for me um, as I went into the stadium, they admit the world to me. Uh, you know, my mother never missed a game. Um, and, you know, she's still having, I mean, I, they, for them to show up and let me see them, they surprised me for sure. And then it's just, you know, just motivating me so much and it meant so much to me. And uh, to see everybody out there in uh, Autumn 97 jerseys just showing love and, you know, just, just being undenied. You know, they, they're going to see me some way, regardless, you know, some way, how, how, however it happens. So that means a lot to them, much love to them. And uh, about to go out and, you know, spend some time with them now. Do you feel like the defensive line executed your game plan and the teaching points from the offseason? Um, I feel like we, got, we definitely made some strides going forward. Um, everything's not going to be perfect. but then, And then with it being the first game of the season, you get certain looks that you're not uh, really scouted for. But for the most part, we did a great job. We, we did some improvement, and um, I'm excited to keep, keep building. Was it tough when you're down that big, kind of they end up, you know, offense has to pass the ball a whole bunch, end up with some short drives? Does that kind of compound things for you? I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, the game, the Florida game will go how it go. Um, our job is to go out there and do our job, you know, no matter the circumstances. So, and uh, be able to respond to any any situation and uh, get out to the pass. So, um, it, it kind of is what it is. Well, there you go. Grady Jarrett, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I was sad about his mom, and uh, I know she comes to all the games. I, I see her. We usually fly. Sometimes we're on the same flight. Uh, so, um, you know, that was uh, that had to be hard. But I'm sure he was happy to see them when they came down to the stadium uh, and so forth. So, uh, good things there. He talked about Russell Wilson, uh, you know. Uh, and one other thing here, too. Yeah, we're doing the Zoom calls after games with the players and we submit our questions into the chat uh area and so um with that one uh that was justin felder of fox uh as the host for the media uh and uh went pretty smooth you know so you're not gonna hear me in the press conference this year because we're just submitting questions on the chat uh and so yesterday we had uh ryan um uh, Ryan talked, uh, Julio, Gurley, Ricardo, Grady, and Coach Quinn. Uh, we requested Isaiah Oliver, but uh, they said they tried to get him. The Falcons PR staff tried to get him, but uh, he, uh, you know, uh, he didn't. He didn't talk. I don't know why. So, I, you know, you're the part of a big play like that. It's natural to to talk. We would have we would have got to you in the open locker room. And uh, we requested him for today, and they might not give him to us to three or four days later, you know, way after the fact. But he's still going to have to answer to what happened. And by that time, he'll have a different answer. But uh, we generally like to get that one right after the game. But let's hear some of Coach Quinn, you know, hey, another you, slow um, start. You guys had two sacks on the opening possession of the game. Uh, Seattle making adjustments after that and their pass protection after that first opening series. Yeah, I don't know if there was a, you know, necessary a, a adjustment. There was some, you know, chip that took on, but that's pretty normal stuff, um, Zach, for that space. So 
Um, he's good, you know, when he can get outside the pocket. I thought we had some other chances, you know, to, to sack him later. But he did escape on a few. So I thought uh, early on uh, having those two was a good start. But, uh, no, there wasn't too many specific things other than some normal chips that you'd expect. On the fourth and five play where Russ hits DK, uh, what was the coverage going on there? And was he expecting coverage over the top? A little help? Um, no, he was not expecting coverage over the top. So it was, uh, you know, a man-to-man or a single high defense. Um, and so just, you know, challenge, you know, no, nothing too different over, you know, about that play. How did you think your offense started off and then progressed through the game? It seems like maybe had issues on third and fourth down moving forward. Dan, was that a matter of play selection, execution, a little bit of both? I'd say probably when you have, uh, you know, a, an offer like that, it's a, a little bit of both. And I imagine probably three of them were on the offense and one on the team side of things. So, um, we certainly wanted to be bold, Zach, and I think knowing that with the group that we have, we're going to continue to do that. So I'd say um, some are execution ones, some to say, hey, you'd like to have a different call in those spaces. But, um, you know, against a good quarterback, you want to be bold, you want to stay aggressive. I think the first part of your question is what I like early on. I like the run game and the play pass that went with it. Um, about the offensive line all game, you know, did a good job in protection, uh, even when the score, you know, was down a few scores and they could thin their ears back and go. So I thought that was a uh, you know, something I was looking forward to seeing from our group, and they responded. Todd Gurley got off to a strong start, a bunch of carries. He set the tone. What did you think of his debut as the Falcon? You know, I, I had a sense that, uh, you know, by the training camp that he had, that he played well and performed well. And so um, I think it really shifted for me, Zach, you know, in the third quarter. You know, the two scores, are, we weren't able to stay in quite the same space. You know, when you're down a couple, you're just thinking of your possessions getting a score, getting another one. So it would have been nice to uh, continue into that space uh, into the fourth quarter. But as the game went um, in terms of carries and, and staying in it, that, that wasn't how we could play at that, at that time. Slight pause in the audio here. Was there a point in the game where you noticed the, the fans obviously not being here, especially in the third round? when Seattle had the ball, how they would have made a difference in the past. Was uh, can you try that one more time, Zach? It just got broken up a little bit on me, please. Sure, just the, the noticeable absence. Questions uh, about no fans. Uh, no fans. A particular point in the game where you notice it more, maybe when Seattle had a third and long situation, the support from the home crowd. Yeah, that, you, you appreciate those for sure. I would say at the uh, beginning, you know, not being able to share in that moment with them. And then certainly the third downs are, are usually uh, the biggest advantages that go on. But um, you know, hopefully we'll get to that space you know, sometime this year. But uh, you know, more than anything, just you know, for us being able to execute in those spaces is a big deal. The decision, Dan, to go for the fake punt in a close game uh, in the third quarter went beyond uh, the thinking to pull off that. Well, if we had the right look, we were going to go do it, Zach. And so um, when the look came up, you know, we executed it. And so we didn't get – you know, there due to the, you know, to the fumble, but um, we're looking for a certain look. And uh, if you don't have it, you can check out of it. So there could be a, a time where you call, you know, fake punts, but the look isn't right, you know, for you and you, you kick it away. And so uh, in this game, that was the one that we had that the look we were looking for. And uh, so not executing that one and, and obviously turn the ball over. Um, you know, that was a big part. So we were so trying we to the app. Well, there we go. That's Coach Dan Quinn. He talked about two of the uh, the big plays there. The uh, Isaiah Oliver wasn't in, uh, wasn't expecting safety cover, so he just got beat man to man. That was what that was about. And then the uh, 
They have the look they wanted on the fake punt. He actually picked up the first down, but you got to hold on to the rock. Um, but that's when you got a, a safety as the up back. You probably want to go back to having a running back if you're going to be running fake punts. That kid probably ain't ran the ball since high school or peewee football, but uh, they tried to do it, and it, and it cost them in the game. Now, let's, um, we're going to wrap it up here. They go to Dallas next week. Uh, saw Dallas play last night, come up short uh, against, um, who were they playing? The Rams again there. Uh, Slowman from here, Miami of Ohio kicker, uh, was kicking it for the Rams. Uh, Mike McCarthy elected not to go for a field goal. He was being bold, too. He cost his team a game being bold. Uh, Miss didn't go for the field goal there and lose by three. So Dallas will be trying to get right. We'll get to see C.D. Lamb versus A.J. Terrell. Uh, man, the uh, Falcons could have took Lamb, which, who was a higher-rated player than uh, A.J. Terrell. But, shoot, Terrell was the best cornerback so on the field probably. But Darquez Denard did pretty good. He, uh, he left the game and came right back. He's okay. Uh, they're down two corners. Um, uh, Kendall Sheffield with a foot. He had a boot on, so he's not going to be ready anytime soon. And then Jordan Miller's got two more games left to uh, serve his suspension. So I know that they wanted Kendall Sheffield to, to jump outside and take that cornerback from Isaiah Oliver, but he didn't do it. So And now he's not healthy. So Isaiah's going to have to get coached up by Joe Witt and Raheem Morris over there. He was having a game, though, until that play. So uh, there's some good to take out of it for him. So he's usually a stand-up kid, too. So um, uh, in the past, if stuff went wrong, he was always there at his locker to, to handle things. Uh, and I'm sure he'll come out this week at some point. You know, we, we fans want to know about, you know, what happened on that play. It looked like he slipped and then got behind and then, it, you know, it was just a bad play for him. So, um, fourth and five, though, you can't allow stuff like that to happen. And uh, I know they'll he'll hear about that from the coaches uh, and probably get better uh, from it as a player. So, with that, we're going to wrap it up here with the 217th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. They misfired while trying to be bold in the opener against Seattle. Music by DJ Magic. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. A celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.